Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, April 25th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Steve Hellwagon. Nice day to be doing the show outside, Steve. Uh, <laughs> finally, we've had some nice weather here in uh, Columbus, the greater Columbus area. Um, a lot to get into on today's show, it's, as usual on Mondays. Um, we have all weekend and stuff even breaks after we do the show Friday. And then we have all day Saturday and Sunday. So always... Plenty of Buckeye stuff to get into on Monday shows. Um, let's start with Noah Potter. The latest Buckeye that has entered his name in the transfer portal would have been a fourth-year junior defensive end this year for the Buckeyes. Um, played pretty well in the spring game, I thought. Um, your thought, are you surprised? Are you surprised by that? They're now one over the 85 limit. Lots to unpack here. Um, your thoughts on Noah Potter entering his name in the portal, are you surprised? And how do you think that affects depth? at defensive end for the Buckeyes. Yeah, I'm somewhat surprised by that because he worked so hard to get back. Uh, he missed last season because of the eye situation, health situation with his eye. And uh, Pat Murphy wrote a really good story about that on uh, Bucknuts when it, he was available to the media uh, last month. And I just am, am very surprised by this. I would have figured he would have been right there in the two deep but the issue is, I think he looks at it, that Larry Johnson must be committed to playing Javante, Gene Baptiste, and Zach Harrison. And you can't deny what JT Tuomalau and Jack Sawyer have done. I had thought maybe he'd take some snaps inside at defensive tackle. Because uh, I don't consider them to be deep, deep, deep at defensive tackle. I figured he could have been a swing guy and maybe played some of both. I am very surprised by this, and I don't know what – he had a very good spring game, and I think that he's probably thinking somebody out there will pop that tape in. He'll suggest take a look at the Ohio State spring game and see what I did, and he'll have no shortage of high major uh, teams that want him to come in and play right away. Um, I just, I, I just don't know – how much of a better situation he's going to find himself in, certainly in terms of a competitive team that's going to compete for a championship and maybe even for reps. I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm just confused by it. Um, maybe he just saw the handwriting on the wall that he was no better than the number five defensive end and the number four or five defensive tackle. And that wasn't good enough for him. And he wanted to go somewhere where he could play closer to, uh, you know, half the snaps in a game or whatever, or even more. And um, I'm not sure he's an every down player anywhere right now, coming back off of an injury season. So I am just, I am completely floored by that. I figured he would stick this out. And uh, certainly next year, uh, there is no Zach Harrison. There is no Javante Jean Baptiste. You wouldn't think. I mean, I guess they could come back as super seniors. Um, that he'd be certainly the number three defensive end. I would think. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm I'm confused by it, Dave. I, I well, but I, but 
everybody has their goals in life and what they want to accomplish. Maybe, maybe you've got a better take on it than I do. I don't know. I do wonder, because I think you hit on, I think this year he would have been probably like the number five defensive end. So not even technically on the two deep. Now we know they can bracket guys and say, you know, on the two deep, Javante Jean-Baptiste or Noah Potter, maybe they would have done that. Those guys would have been fighting for that four, fifth, fourth and fifth spot. They would have had Tyler Friday in there. I'm sure you would agree the top three in whatever order we're talking about Tui Molo, Al, Sawyer, and Zach Harrison. Those are yes. your top three. And you've got Javante Jean-Baptiste. you got Tyler Friday. You had Noah Potter. So those would have been like, you know, the, the next three guys probably. But I think Caden Curry's a guy that we need to talk about more. I think – I know he's a true freshman, but I thought he looked good in the spring. Not just yes. a spring game, but even you and I were out there at that awesome student appreciation practice. And we're like – He played well that day. The offense. And number 92 was out there – Flying around a lot and um, looking good at defensive end. So I wonder if Caden Curry, if had if he hadn't passed Noah Potter, was like on the verge of doing so. And they got a couple of, of guys coming in. It's going to be tough to play as true freshman if you didn't enroll early. But Kenyatta Jackson, Amari Abor ranked pretty high. I don't think it really hurts the depth very much. I like the depth at defensive end. I really do. Yeah, I agree. I think they're going to be okay, provided they don't have a couple of bad injuries there. Um I want to see, you know, what Tyler Friday does coming back off an injury season. Uh, I think at times he's played some good football. Uh, But I agree. Uh, Tui Maloal and Sawyer are guys that look like they were shot out of a cannon. And I go back to the first Bosa. I think his name was Joey Bosa. His big year was his second year in 2014. He was an All-American, unquestioned driving force on a national championship team. And if they can get Tui Maloau or and or Sawyer to play anything close to how Joey Bosa played in his second season at Ohio State, then they're on to something big because that type of guy changes everything on defense. They have to account for him. And as we saw, he was virtually unblockable at times. He was similar to Aiden Hutchinson last year for Michigan at times, just uh, unblockable. So had that. I know that that's a fresh wound for everybody. But say, what, what, why, why, hey, why? Hey, speaking of that, Thursday night that brings back the JJ Watt rec- remembrances from his draft day, where they kept showing he, he beats Brewster up the middle, Shugart's around the end, and uh, who was the other one? Adams around the other end. They just kept showing it over and over and over. Get ready Thursday night because it's, oh, it's coming. Oh, it's coming. Oh, it's coming. Oh, yeah. He's going around Dewan Jones like he's standing still. It's coming. Oh, yeah. It's going to be the Ohio State highlight film and the snow there in Ann Arbor. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's you're right. It'll Yeah, it'll be the Ohio State highlight film. Uh, low light, we should say. Be ready. Um, so, yeah, here, here's one thing I find interesting. I'll get your thoughts on this. So, like, all four players that have entered their name in the transfer portal portal recently from Ohio State, defensive guys, Bryson Shaw is going to USC. Bryson Shaw going all the way out to USC, a Baltimore kid, going all the way out with uh, Lincoln Riley, reuniting with uh, the great Alex Grinch out Alex there. Alex Grinch that. loves him some Bryson Shaw. He yeah. pounded the tail table for him to get an offer at Ohio State that one year with Alex Grinch. Bryson Shaw, I mean, he he's lived off some Alex Grinch. That's that's pretty good. Going to, going to South Central L.A. there, USC. So Bryson Shaw, Legend Cavazos, Jacoby Cowan, and now Noah Potter, all four on the defensive side of the ball. 
I mean, coincidence? What do you make of that? I think what it tells me is they saw the handwriting on the wall and the frontline guys on this defense are going to play and play quite a bit. And I don't think any of them were in that group. And uh, I think the defense has improved. And I think that uh, they just weren't willing to, to stick it out any further at Ohio State. Cowan, to me, um, seemed like he was in and out of the practice lineup with injuries. Looked like he was always on the side uh, with injuries or something. I wish him good luck and good health. Uh, Cavazos, you know, our one big memory of him was they put him in against Minnesota and he got toasted there in the – I was standing on the Ohio State sideline. He got toasted in that far deep corner for a touchdown and, and never really played after that. So uh, special teams, I guess. But uh, So he didn't make his mark at Ohio State, maybe like he had hoped, which is unfortunate because he had a lot of promise. And uh, yeah, just uh, yeah, I, I just I just think that that the handwriting's on the wall. Who's going to play on defense? And they're solid. And again, it seems like. And you know, we we can't crown them until we get into midseason and see how they're doing. But uh, looks to me like it's going to be a better defense for Ohio State this year. Well, if you want to go ahead and crown them, then crown them. Crown them. Uh, we know they they are who we thought they were. Um, we wish all those guys well. Um, Oh, no doubt. Good kids. I mean, all, all great all people. Kids, like good kids. I even had interactions with uh, Jacoby Cowan's family on social media. I've never, I'd never met them, but like just from stuff we did, and he, he was a really good kid. And you know, you, you hate to see it, but it's part of the business. They were they were six over going into spring. Harry Miller retired. Um, that got them to ninety, and now we've had the four kids that have entered their name in the portal. All good kids, and we wish them all well. Um, all right, let's get to this. Steve, what is your biggest concern, you know, as you look at the 2022 Buckeyes? Is it the offensive line? Is it the defense overall? Because, you know, even though I'm bullish on the defense, they still need to prove it. 59th in the country last year in total defense, and they need to get much better. And they didn't play many good offenses last year, and they were still 59th. I mean, that was it's almost misleading that they were that high. Um, they were just terrible on defense last year, as we all know, and the year before that. I think they're going to be good on defense this year, but they'll have to prove it first. I am a little concerned about the offensive line, mostly the depth. Um, what's your biggest concern as you look at this 2022 roster? Well, uh, we were at the spring game. Uh, I agree. The defense, I'll just start there, gave up 23 points a game last year, which is almost unheard of. I don't know if that's a record in the wrong direction. There have been some really bad defenses at Ohio State at times, like 88, 89, you know, going back, you know, to the – to the dark days there, but uh, when they couldn't even get a first down, but um, yeah, I, I, um, they've got to trim that a full touchdown in my opinion. They got to get that back down to like 15, 16 points a game. Cause that's championship level defense right there. If, if they do that and are consistent, then you can play for the national championship with that type of a defense. Um, but as I said, we were at the spring game. We saw it with our own eyes, offensive line, uh, your left tackle's got to play better than that. There was a holding penalty and gave up a sack uh, bigger than uh, bleep. Uh, there, uh, got to play better than that. And I know Paris Johnson's learning the position, picking it up, but got to play better than that. And so, uh, you know, when you get into the games and the, the real bullets are flying and it's not a vanilla defense and they're doing different things and bringing stunts and bringing twists and bringing blitzes, and everything else, 
Uh, offensive line's got to play better than that. So uh, the new assistant, Fry, he's got his hands full this offseason, teaching at this point in the film room on, you know, visualization, essentially, on how to uh, pass protect. Uh, to me, that's the, the the number one thing I would think. Well, other than the defense, I mean, the defense is a unknown, but that offensive line, uh, they set records last year on offense. They won't set records on offense this year if the if the offensive line doesn't play well. So uh, you can't be turning guys loose and, uh, you know, having holding penalties. A holding penalty is so devastating. Although what was funny is the two, the, the two drives, I believe, where there were holding penalties in the spring game, they overcame that and scored touchdowns on both those drives. So that'll tell you, uh, C.J. Stroud – he is like penalty proof. Uh, you can okay. You had a holding penalty. Second, second, seventeen. No problem. We Jackson got that. Jigba. We got Marvin Harrison Jr. We got a Mecca. No Gilles. problem. Pick your poison, gents. Brian um, Day's got to be like okay. Now it's second and twenty. Let's okay. turn them loose. You know, it's like last year it was third and one. I'd be nervous if it was like second <laughs> and twenty. I'm like. <laughs> It's second and 20, Jackson Smith and Jigba for 23 yards. That's funny. First down. You're more concerned um, when it's third and three than you are when it's second and right. 17. That's funny. I mean, the offensive line wasn't that great last year either, and they were the number one offense. So we'll see. I think they're going to – I want to get to this question real quick. We're not going to take too many questions on today's show because we got a packed – we got we always got to take a couple questions from our uh, loyal viewers and listeners. Tyson wants to know, we are still over the limit. Yes, one over the limit now. That's, this will easily take care of itself. He wants to know, do you see linebacker as the next source for future transfers out of this program? You think the next person's going to be – I think it might be an offensive lineman, maybe one of these backup offensive linemen that, that they don't like, uh, maybe a kicker, um, maybe a linebacker. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, to your point, uh, back on the transfers, two of them were in the secondary where there are new assistant coaches, so I think it is – uh, it makes sense that there could be an offensive lineman with the new offensive line coach coming in and having that heart-to-heart conversation with people he's inherited, maybe one of these offensive linemen and saying, look, you're not in the plans, uh, just isn't going to work out for you here. Uh, coach Stud recruited you, and, and certainly, you know, it, it just didn't work out for you here at Ohio State. And I think that, that the next several days, it's April 25th, I could be wrong, but, you know, what we know about these NCAA rules, you could put in a thimble because it just seems like like they tell you that if a guy wants to play in the fall, he's got to put his name into the portal by May 1st. And I think that's done to give his current school proper time to replace him one way or the other. But to me, there were guys who transferred last summer who still played. So maybe that was a one-time thing. Hell if I know, Dave, what the rules are. But if that is the real rule that you have to transfer, you have to put your name in the portal by May 1st so that you're to give notice to your to your current school, then I would think maybe another guy will transfer by May 1st. Because otherwise, to my knowledge, they wouldn't be eligible to play right. immediately in the fall. Now, maybe then you apply for a hardship and say, you know, whatever. But uh, it is the end of the semester. Uh, exams are going on here in the next few days. And uh, then the guys will have about a week or so off. They have a May semester where guys take classes. It's a four-week academic period in the month of May, uh, not the typical summer semester. That doesn't begin until the first part of June. 
and that's the big program, but they will work out and take a few classes in May, then have a couple days off and start in with the intensive summer program, probably about the 5th or 6th of June this year. So uh, that's the timeline right now. I do. And why would you go through that if you know you're not going to play? You know what I mean? Why, why would you put yourself, why would you subject yourself to that right. at Ohio State where there's no future for you? So I think they'll maybe by May 1st, we'll have at least one more, I would think. And you know the academic schedule at Ohio State, Will, having two kids that are students at Ohio State right now. Well, they graduated. They graduated. Oh, they graduated. Well. oh congratulations. Yes. yes oh, now, now, now they always say congratulations. That's right. Oh, gosh, what's the years are just flying by. You're your twins are graduates of Ohio State. Yeah, we're Goodness reeling in gracious. the years. Reeling Goodness in the years. We're we're not young. Now, there's a question I want to get to. Um, the answer is, let's see here. The question is from Prickly Pear. <laughs> Prickly Pear from YouTube. I know Harry Miller medically retired. However, does anyone factually know if his scholarship counts as part of the max limit? It does not count. It does not count. When a player medically retires, um, they're able to stay on academic scholarship but it does not count against the 85. So they were 91 at the time. Harry retired. That brought, brought him down to 90. Now they've had the four kids that recently, um, somewhat recently, have left the program. Uh, I'm not counting seven banks. He's another one. He's at LSU. What a weird story there. Um, and, no, somebody asked, has, Ruggles moved, has Noah Ruggles moved on? No. We've speculated that's a weird situation. But there's also talk maybe they're looking at the USC transfer kicker not as a replacement for Ruggles, um, but maybe as a replacement for Cyber. So we'll see what happens there with kicker drama. They're not; they're definitely not going to have three kickers on scholarships. So if they bring in the USC kid, then one of the current scholarship kickers will be moving on. Hopefully Ruggles stays for one more year. Then the USC kid has three more years. He can be like the kickoff guy, long field goal guy. Ruggles can be automatic from, you know, 49 and in. Um, all right. As promised, let's get to – some basketball questions They're not basketball questions but basketball topics it was a very busy weekend steve for ohio state's basketball team um i'm curious to get your thoughts on this they landed the shooting guard transfer from west virginia sean mcneil he actually began his career at uh, sinclair community college in dayton averaged like 30 points a game was the leading scorer in the nation uh, for junior college kids and that was when he was just a true freshman then he played the last three years at west virginia has one more year left uh, due to the COVID year, and he's going to play it at Ohio State. Averaged 12.2 points per game in each of the last two seasons for the Mountaineers. Um, and then also, this surprised me, Seth Towns returning for a 19th year in college. Okay, it's a seventh year. Why not, man? Even if you're a Harvard graduate, why not, right? I mean, it's the best years of your life. You know, it's it does. It reminds me, it doesn't apply to Seth Towns. But I remember when I was a little kid going to Ohio State football games, I'd see the t-shirts i thought they were hilarious ohio state the best seven or eight years of my life <laughs> yeah now, seth towns that was you know joking people that would take him that long to get their you know bachelor's degree seth towns uh, a harvard grad also now a master's graduate from ohio state um i'm surprised he's coming back i thought he'd move on with life and go be um you know eventually a ceo or something but your thoughts on sean mcneil becoming a buckeye how much can he help and seth towns returning does that surprise you and, and how much can he help this year Sean McNeil is a good pickup for Ohio State. Uh, he was – West Virginia had a very good team two years ago. Uh, they were awful this past year. They kind of fell off the the, the road. Uh, Oscar Tashibe 
was with them two years ago. And then he went to Kentucky this past year and was a all American at Kentucky. And without him, they weren't very good, obviously. Uh, but he was a guy, I want to say they were a three seed in the NCAA tournament, and he averaged 12 points a game uh, that previous year. And uh, he is not a guy who's going to be the top scorer on your team, but he is a guy that if you have two two other players who can kind of lead that realm, that he can be a great support player. And he provides depth, obviously. Uh, a lot. The, his acquisition – and Seth Towns coming back are both rooted in Michi Johnson leaving. And Michi Johnson leaving left a gaping hole in their depth at guard, and they needed a guard. So they kicked the tires on Nigel Pack, who took the money and went to Miami. Yes, he did. Uh, several other guys. And, and and I'm interested to get Chris Holtman's take on that. That's public. That's been put into the public realm that somebody bidding saw. wars, man, bidding war. And l- listen, I mean, I know for a fact there were other programs going after Tanner Holden hard, and Ohio State's NIL Foundation, the foundation, literally, they helped a lot with that situation. So yeah, yeah, I think Ohio State lost out on a bidding war this time, but they won the bidding war with Tanner Holden. So and that's an important one, no doubt. Uh, Towns to me, I think, is getting Michi's scholarship. I don't think Towns comes back if mm-hmm. Michi if Michi is still there, okay. and because there's just no room for him. There is one scholarship remaining, and they have to go out and get a power forward. I don't think there's any doubt about this. Uh, they kicked the tires on uh, Vanderplas, the kid from uh, Ben Vanderplas from Ohio University. Uh, he looked at Wisconsin, Virginia, Ohio State, and I guess he's going to Virginia. It came out yesterday, so that. That's a tough one because he averaged like 14 and eight last year at OU and could shoot threes. He's exactly the kind of four that uh, Chris Holtman wants. That's too bad. But uh, they're going to go deep into that portal and find a forward, I have no doubt, with that last spot. And if Towns gives them anything close to what he gave them the year before when you know he was healthy and then he was in and out and whatever, but in some big games – like he won a Big Ten tournament game almost single-handedly. I forget which one, Michigan maybe, or Purdue, take your pick, one or the other. He won the game himself almost single-handedly. And people go on our board and poo-poo him and whatever. But when he's available, he's effective. Can't deny that, people. I know he's only available about 10% of the time, but when he's available, he's effective. Don't don't at me on that. What's that minor detail? Yeah, that one minor detail. I, my 10% was a bad shot. He played about half the games or, or maybe a little bit more than that that year. And his minutes, obviously, can't play more than 15 minutes a game. But if he plays a good 15 minutes a game, that's all you freaking need. So, I think I'll take that. Yes, whatever. I'll take that for sure. Yeah. Whatever. He's got a, he's got a very natural shooting strike. He's a good shooter. There's no doubt about that. So, yeah, and real quick. I agree. Yeah. Geo did 42 wants to know, like he thinks getting justice suing back is bigger maybe than fans realize. Yeah. I mean, I think most, I think most diehard Ohio state basketball fans realize that's, that's the same thing, thing back, but it's definitely good getting justice suing back for a sixth year. Yes. Gotta be healthy. And if he could play 20, 25 minutes a game at the level that he plays, then he, he moves the needle. There's no doubt. You've got to guard him and that creates openings for other people. So, and he, He's a very good player, in my opinion, because when he wants to, he'll go in and rebound and rebound out of his area. And it's just 
he he he's so laid back, you know. I mean, he's a West Coast kid, and you could just tell he's just kind of laid back. But when he gets that dog in him and says, "Hey, I'm going to compete tonight," there's there's it, you're hard to find a better player than him. Some games, I mean, he he uh, when he puts his mind to it and wants to compete, he can he can almost take over a game sometimes. So that that's good to see as well. Yeah, no doubt about it, and. Um... Yeah, a lot of people are curious about Noah Ruggles. So, you know, maybe Noah is going to come back. Um, hopefully, maybe that's kind of the latest, uh, you know, vibe that I'm hearing is maybe uh, Ruggles will come back and the USC transfer might be a replacement for somebody else. And insurance in the future, because the USC transfer would have three years left of eligibility and would still have a role on this year's team even if Ruggles came back. Because, again, he could be the field goal kick or the long field goal kicker and the kickoff specialist because Ruggles – um, doesn't have a weak leg. We're not talking acting like he's Jim Breach, like he can only make him from 35 yards. Um, but you know, he can't really kick him past 50. Um, at least not, you know, uh, no struggles, ruggles where he's pretty much automatic, only missed one field goal last year. So, um, hey, great stuff from Steve Hellwagon. Really appreciate it, Steve, for your knowledge. Um, and love all of our listeners and viewers for tuning in. We appreciate you guys with your comments and just for being part of the show and tuning in and watching. Um, really appreciate you guys. If you like the show, like, subscribe, give us a five-star review, depending on what platform you are watching or listening on. Again, thanks to all of you for tuning in. Thanks to Steve Hellwagon. Hope everyone has a great day.